welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. Welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. Today, we are going to be talking about a book called The Fuck It Diet by Caroline Dooner. As with all of our book club episodes, you do not need to have read the book already to enjoy or to benefit from this conversation. So before talking about the actual book, I feel like I need to start with a bit of a disclaimer because I feel a little bit like we're walking into a minefield with this topic. I think sometimes dieting and bodies and relationships with foods and relationships with bodies can be very emotionally laden topics and people can have really strong opinions one way or another. And it can stir up a lot, very, very heated, a lot of potential for controversy, a lot of emotions and strong opinions. So I just want to start by saying I'm convinced there's really not a right or a wrong way to have a relationship with food, right? And what I've learned in, in my life and in my professional work is actually I don't think any one plan or system is going to work for everyone and that everyone has to figure out what's going to be best for them, right? So we wanted to start this podcast with a permission slip and an invitation, right? So the permission slip is that we invite you to take from this conversation whatever is helpful to you, right? And then to leave the rest, So you have permission to disagree, to have your own experience. And then the invitation is to be curious, right? So if you notice yourself having a strong reaction, one way or another, positive or negative, or if you notice some resistance or some defensiveness or strong feelings, just an invitation to be curious about what that might be about for you. And can you stay open to that and just kind of take a look at it? And can you soften to it to kind of learn more about yourself? So that's all for the disclaimer. So Jamie, could you provide us with a quick overview of the book? Sure. As you said, it's written by Carolyn Dooner. She's a writer. She's a performer. She's a yoga instructor. And she's pretty freaking funny. I loved a lot of her quotes and examples. And some of it was exactly what I was thinking with some of the stuff that she talked about. But in this book, she really kind of comes out swinging against dieting and diet culture And she offers tools to help her readers create a life without dieting in the hopes of helping them heal their relationship with food and with weight. And so the book's divided into four parts. So she talks about the physical part. So what she's referring to there is reversing physical restriction through eating and resting. The second part is the emotional part where she talks about getting in touch with our bodies and fostering a willingness to feel all the feelings. The third is the mental part. So learning how to become more aware of and challenge our beliefs and rules about eating, food, and weight. And then the last part is the thriving part. So in that, she talks about using some of the tools that she offers to become who we want to be without all of this distraction of food and weight. Awesome. Thank you. Sure. And then... I wanted to also start with the book dedication. And Avery, tell us about that because you love that. I love it because it makes me think of my friend, Jamie, who loves (laughs) cheese. So it's, I dedicate this book to cheese. I will never forsake you again. And I just love that so much. And I know Jamie's affection for cheese. And I felt like this is, this is the right book for us to discuss because it just really right out of the gate. Soul pulls us in. Mm-hmm. I didn't even notice that. So I was really glad when you, when you <laughs> mentioned it. 
So what struck y'all about this book? What resonated with you? What are some key takeaways? So I'm a big believer of that idea. I think it's a Buddhist like philosophy that like when the student is ready, the teacher will present herself. And this really felt like it for me. I've been kind of doing a lot of work over my lifetime, but especially in the last few years of this kind of acceptance around body and shape and size and weight and food and and it just really, this book kind of hit right in this place that I am in my journey and just really, really resonated with me. So while I totally hear, and I'm so glad you gave us that disclaimer, because I think it is a journey for most people. There's, I think, a journey in their relationship with food and their body. And for me, in this moment, in this place in my journey, it was like just the right book. So I'm probably very biased because it was so much what I needed to hear in this moment. What did you need to hear? Like, what were some of those... I think in general, it was this idea of trusting your body not to self-destruct if you look away like for a minute, kind of trusting your body to be able to feed itself, trusting your body to know its needs for rest and not kind of putting this like over-controlled needing a diet kind of context for your body. I have a couple of quotes that we'll kind of share as we go, but I think that was kind of the overarching experience that I had as I was reading this book. It's just this like coming back to my body and kind of that trust Mm. for my body to like actually help me to survive and not be like out for my destruction. What about you, Jamie? I think one of the things that I really liked was when she referred to yo-yo dieting as putting our body in a constant state of crisis. And that's something that I really honestly had not thought about before, that it doesn't matter what size you are. If you're restricting even just a little bit, you're putting mm-hmm. your body in this crisis famine state, which really like raises our you know adrenaline, our cortisol, those stress hormones that are supposed to be for our fight or flight reaction. And we're not supposed to be in that constant state. So I just thought that that was, a, for me, like a really kind of enlightening way to look at what happens when you sort of when you're dieting. Yeah. That hit home for me big time too. I have, I mean, I think we'll be open and honest. I mean, I have had a lifelong struggle with my weight and my body and early, early on, I I mean, I was a child when a doctor told me that I had the kind of metabolism that I would be really good in a famine and I probably would be a survivor in like the potato famine or another famine. That's always stayed with me. I, I think that was probably said to me when I was like 10, but I was thinking about this. I'm like, I have put my body I really do remember, I think maybe even at eight thinking, oh, if I eat less, then this could do something for my body that I might like. But I think since then, I've kind of put myself in this feast or famine mode of this yo-yo dieting. I call it either dieting or dieting recovery, where I'm either like on a diet or eating everything that's not nailed down because I'm not on a diet. But I think I've been in that space probably most of my life. And that idea that just really hit home for me of like, well, of course, my body is feeling like we have to eat as much as we can because we're in this famine state. It just really like that one really hit home. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I think similar to you, Avery, I've probably if whatever diets out there, I've probably tried it Mm -hmm. (laughs) quite honestly. And I remember, you know, I was reflecting on this and thinking, man, I've been like at war with my body since middle school, mm-hmm. which was when I really did kind of my own first diet where I ate pretty much nothing but salads. And I worked out 
you know, really hard to a Richard Simmons videotape like every single day for like hours. And so, you know, kind of like reflecting back on that, I don't even know what my motivation was, you know, because I wasn't in a larger body size as a kiddo, but just I dropped a lot of weight before I went into high school. And, you know, I think really ever since that time, you know, anything fad that comes out, paleo, keto, you know, whatever, I've tried it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's that like high when one of those things comes out that she kind of talks to of like that, ooh, this is going to be the thing that works. Yes. Like this is going to be the thing. All of my past shit with my body is going to be solved by this keto, medi, what I mean, you fill in the yeah, blank, yeah. what Atkins, I mean, you know, whatever, Weight Watchers, Weight Watchers. like yeah. choice, for the sixth really. time, right. for the sixth time, Weight Watchers will work this time. Right, yeah. right, mm-hmm. right. And so there, that kind of process that she talks about right. of like, the highs and lows that come um, from that diet experience and that roller coaster that, that that puts us on. Yeah. Well, I I love so many of her messages, right? And they work with eating disorders, right? So it's kind of like she puts into words so much of what I would love many of my clients to know and to hear and to understand. I think there's a personal piece too. So I was a very like normal and intuitive eater growing up, but my first year in college, I fell quickly into an eating disorder, a restrictive eating disorder. And then you know, it was probably about nine months before I got into treatment. And then kind of in my work thereafter, like this is exactly what I had to do to heal from that. Right. And so years, and it took kind of a few years to unwind that in terms of really listening to my body and making all foods legal and not having any limits or restrictions on it. And that it was so, I mean, I think that that's probably the reason why I recovered is because I truly have lived that way. And in terms of like, I don't diet, don't go on diets. There are no foods that are off limits. And to be honest, I'm kind of nervous. You know, I would even still be nervous to like cut out carbs or certain food groups Mm -hmm. or go on diets because I think it would still trigger that same part of the brain. Mm -hmm. And I love this concept she also talks about, about kind of being in this like set weight range. Because I think that that's been a big motivator for me in my whole life of trying all of the different diets is this just kind of like lack of acceptance around my set weight range. I love that she kind of talks about that there's this range of weight, right? And that you kind of maybe fluctuate within however many pounds around that range, but that really that that kind of natural weight range is where you'll come to if you genuinely eat intuitively. She kind of talks about kind of intuitive eating kind of... As a diet? Yes, (laughs) exactly, exactly. But like genuinely feeding your body as it wants to be fed, when it wants to be fed. And I love that idea because I kind of think about that. I don't know, that like pull of the new diet is that pull to try to get out of my set weight range and trying to be accepting around that is really, I mean, it's kind of like transformative. Yeah. And I will say that I have over the past year, a little while ago, saw a nutritionist where the focus a lot really was on weight loss. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with all of the tracking that I had to do in my fitness pal. And, you know, what's really interesting is I probably just need to delete that app off my phone, but I just pulled it up and I have things from years ago. So it has from years ago to now. And so when you're talking about that weight set range, Avery, 
like I'll see my weight go down. And then when I start over on something new, it kind of goes right back up to where it naturally is, which is where I'm at right now. And so I just like having that data for me in there and being able to look at, wow, look, since 2015, I have six years worth of data and look what happens kind of to my weight. And I just kind of naturally settle like right here where I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's something I think she talks a lot about is that acceptance of your weight wherever it is. Right. And that is a hard, hard pill to swallow because I think that's the draw of the diet is I don't accept my weight as it is. And I need this thing to kind of like hijack my body chemistry so that I can get back to a weight mm-hmm. range that is acceptable. I think that's part of the challenge of the whole fuck it diet is eating as you need to be fed and understanding that that may come with weight gain mm-hmm. and really being able to exercise that acceptance around that. Well, and I think that she's very clear on that, that to really heal in your relationship with food, to get out of this famine state, to get out of the obsessive preoccupation where it's like the center of your world (laughs) and taking over, you have to let go of having like a certain outcome with a weight. Mm -hmm. That the more you kind of hold that front and center, you just stay stuck and trapped in this vicious sort of cycle. For sure. And as I was saying before, like that whole idea of like when the student's ready, I, at the beginning of the pandemic, I had gone on a walk and I came home and I told my husband, I was like, you know what I've decided? I've decided that I am no longer going to spend all of my like waking thinking power on food. And I think what I actually said is I was like, I am, I mean, life is short. I am way too smart a woman to have all of this brain power focused only on calories in and calories out. Like I'm just done with that. I'm not doing that anymore. And that was something literally, I think, happened about a year ago. I mean, so not years and years beyond. I mean, I'm very much in it in this journey, but it was really life changing for me. Like, wow, I do spend an inordinate amount of energy on hating my body, shaming my body, thinking about how to change my body. And I feel like this book kind of gives you that permission just to be like, well, what if you didn't do that? What if you just kind of took all of that energy and just directed it somewhere else? I think it's a freedom that comes with that. Yeah. So the other piece of this book that I love, like, so I feel like allowing food is something that I've been practicing and found it super, super helpful. Mm -hmm. The breathe and feel, I feel like that's so powerful and something I've been practicing, but the lie down, right? So like the second thing she recommends is to lie down for 10 minutes a day. And that is so hard for me. So like a week and a half ago, I actually emailed Avery and Jamie. I was like, all right, so let's experiment between now and when we record the podcast, let's, are y'all willing to commit to like doing this every day, right? And so we have changed it into like a hashtag lie the fuck down Mm -hmm. sort of challenge. And what have been y'all's experiences with doing that? It was harder than I thought it was (sighs) going to be. And, you know, that's something that she talks about in the book. Like, if you can't find 10 minutes, you really need to, like, (laughs) get on it, you know, and make some time to do it. But when I was doing it, I was trying to be kind of intentional about where I went to lie down. So I was just kind of experimenting, like, what's it like for me to lie down on the couch in my living room? And how about my bed? And then what about outside on the lounge chairs outside? Let me go out there. And so that piece was fun. But yeah. I have loved it. In fact, every time I've, how do we say, lie the fuck down, lay the fuck down? In the past, when I've done this (laughs) challenge, I've had to really set an alarm Uh because I fall so quickly asleep. And this week has been kind of an exhausting week. I went back to work in person. I mean, there's just been a lot going on that I think has made this week especially exhausting. But man, even if it wasn't, I just, I realized that that is often what I need to do. And I even kind of extended it the other day. I went ahead and went to bed at 8 p.m., 
And I slept for like 13 hours and it was magical and amazing. And I didn't have any shame about it. I think in the past I may have been like, oh, I think I'm getting sick. Or I would have had to explain like, oh, it's been a really hard, like I just did. Oh, it's been a really hard week. I'm exhausted. When really it's like, uh, no, my body needs rest. And so I'm going to need to rest it. Well, I have loved it. And I think it's something I'm going to continue. And I have found it very hard, (laughs) right? So like both of them. And so I will like lie down and like, it's like a predictable pattern. So I'll lie down. I start like thinking about everything I should be doing, right? And then I'm like, almost go into meditation mode. And I have this intuition, and maybe we can talk about it in a minute, that this should be different than meditation. Like just lying mm-hmm. down is kind of, that there's a nuance to it. And I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm curious about that. And then I have all these like thoughts about it and beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in our Trance of Scarcity podcast, we talked about this idea of like trading up your belief, right? And so what I found really helpful in the moment was kind of saying to myself, and I tried a few different things, right? I tried like, you deserve rest. Because I'm like, what is this about? I'm like, no, that doesn't fit. But what really fit is, I have nothing else that I need to be doing right now, right? Because I think maybe for me, it's a sense of like, "Ah, I should be doing this and I should be doing that. And there are all these other things, but saying like, I have nothing else I need to be doing, just allow me to like settle. But like you, Jamie, I I tried different places too. So I was on the couch and I had the dog around and that was like not so relaxing, right? right? And then yesterday I was there and like the cat was around and that was kind of nice because he was kind of like rubbing against me Mm -hmm. and would kind of lay and then I got caught and like, well, what are the rules? Like, how am I supposed to do this? <laughs> like, what's the right way? What's, can I talk to the cat? Is that not lying down if uh-huh. I'm like interacting with the cat? So it was really funny to see all of this <laughs> kind of come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten caught into some of the rules too. My one rule that I've really made for myself though is it is not lying down if I'm on my phone. Yeah. That is not lying down because that is thinking and focusing and doing other things. But yeah. And I've one thing I've really enjoyed is like, even if there is a TV on or somebody's doing something else, it's just to lie down by somebody like my daughter and get like, that's just been wonderful mm. to just have this like, whew. I think I really enjoyed when my daughter was young enough to take naps because that gave me kind of like a little break in the day where I could also lie down or just breathe and realize that like, oh, I need some water. Oh, I like just kind of check in. And I think I've missed that since she's gotten older <laughs> and maybe I'm going to keep this lying down during the afternoon. That's been really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked to Grace about this, I think yesterday. I said, look how, what a great example your cat Luna is. She's such a good rester. <laughs> I'm like, we need, to, we need to rest more. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so she talks about this, this 10 minutes lying down a day, but then she also talks about more general, like frivolous downtime <sighs> is what she calls it. And almost like self-care. And how do you make a list? And I haven't done this yet, but I'm going to a list of like your self-care wish list. Like if you had unlimited resources. Yeah. And money. That was one uh-huh. of my favorite things in the book, quite honestly. Like if you could just imagine like there were no limits, you had billions of dollars, like what in the world would you do? And then start. What came there. up for you, Jamie? Yeah. Like things like you know, massages, which I actually went and got myself one yesterday. I mean, like, (laughs) you know, things like that, like just stuff that makes you feel sort of luxurious, whatever that is to you. To me, that's like really wonderful, like resting kinds of self-care. Like just, I invested like, Okay. My sister recommended this from a TikTok. <laughs> I don't do TikTok. She curates TikToks for me and That's sends awesome. them to me if she thinks that I will enjoy them. So it's great. I don't have to spend hours. I just delegate that to her uh, or she takes it on her own. But anyway, you she's- delegate your sister a lot of things I'm noticing today. She's a very good sister. I couldn't ask for a better sibling. But yeah, so- She sent me this one of this woman who actually, I think she lives in this area. I'll have to send it to you all. But she is a housekeeper and recommended like these sheets. 
And they're fabulous. They are some fabulous sheets. What is so fabulous about them? They are so soft and just like (laughs) buttery. (laughs) (laughs) It is my favorite thing. Like when we change the sheets for the week or whatever, and like we put on that set, it's just like, oh, I love these sheets. I love very taken care of. If I had unlimited funds, I think I would have fresh sheets every day because there's something about like a freshly made bed. Yes. 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 Like yeah. that to me is like a, a luxurious kind of mm-hmm. self-care thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do either of you have, like, I have a little bit of a hard time. I'll be honest with like frivolity and, <laughs> and luxury and, and like extra stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting more high maintenance as I get older. <laughs> I swear to God, like I'm, and my sister's like, Oh, um, <laughs> with me because of the, the stuff, you know, like if I don't want to take the time to do something, if I don't have the time, I'll like delegate it or hire someone or mm-hmm. or do that sort of thing. Like when I go on trips, I like to pay for extra things like tours or that sort of thing to where I'm not the one that's planning it. You know, I I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I love a good upgrade. Yeah, yeah. that's what everybody's <laughs> like. Oh, OK, good. Avery will take the upgrade, whatever that is. Avery's taking it. But yeah, one thing I've found that I really love is I have this satin pillowcase Mm -hmm. and it's so nice and so comforting. It's cool. And every time I get in bed, I just feel so snuggly and actually brought it with me on a trip. And that was like such a gift, like to take care of myself in that way. But I think the older I get, good sleep is like more and more and more important. And anything I can do to kind of make that more relaxing, more enjoyable is like aces. Mm -hmm. It's really good. So what about with the book, any blind spots about yourself that you discovered or anything in the book that you had a hard time with that felt maybe really radical or that rubbed you the wrong way? I think one of the things that bugged me a little bit is one of the, like the first chapters is titled, Why Are We So Addicted to Food? Which I hate that terminology, like food addicts. And I I get what she's trying to say, like our sort of intense interest or obsession was like food and dieting and weight. But I feel like her using that, honestly, as the title for that chapter could probably be pretty confusing to readers. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things for me. And then also too, I mean, just on a little bit more of a personal note, you know, sometimes it is really hard for me to feed myself exactly what it is, what I'm, Mm -hmm. what I'm wanting, when I'm wanting it without overthinking it. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a a practice that, you know, I'm going to have to utilize for a long, long time to get more comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. How about for you all? I think for me, I was aware of the sticking point of the gaining weight. Like I even have like an emotional reaction saying gaining weight and reading gaining weight. I was like, ooh, all this is fine and good as long as I don't gain weight is kind of what I was aware of is like, yep, I'm going to eat intuitively and I'm going to feed my body and all that's going to be fine and good. But this gaining weight, ooh, no, 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 no. I don't, I am not on board for that. And so that was definitely kind of a blind spot for me that I was, oh, wow, I'm going to have to really kind of work on, on that acceptance around that. So yeah, that was definitely, that kind of pushed on a little button for me. And I think even as she was kind of talking, one of the things I didn't love, and maybe this is my own bias, but her reference to people as being fat, that still, that just poked for me. I don't know why. And I guess I do know why is it just feels still like a very derogatory term. And I think part of her point, I think was actually trying to make it more mainstream yeah and neutral. neutral yeah neutral right and i but, think there's a big movement in mm-hmm, the field right now mm-hmm. but that one was still i was like oh yeah that still feels pretty derogatory to me yeah. so yeah yeah what about you and i think that 
So I've recommended this book to a lot of clients. And I think there's some that these are people with kind of eating disorders or eating related issues. And there's some who love it and it speaks to them. And then there's some who really don't like it or have an aversive time to it. And that, that idea of allowing food, I think can feel terrifying. And, you know, I love her chapters where she, or the sections where she talks about butter, right? She likes makes the case for butter or sugar. But I think that there's some people who really have a lot of judgment on those foods or truly believe that they are not healthy. And so I think some people might take issue to some of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, I think she points out some pretty interesting she has little sections on butter, sugar, and salt. And I'm like, I like all those things. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One other thing I wanted to talk about was our appetites, right? So I'm so struck by her reflections about us wanting to not have hunger, right? So she talks about in this book, and I thought this was brilliant, that for many people, the goal is to like get rid of their hunger, right? I want to eat in a certain way or do this so I won't have a hunger and like won't have an appetite. And she talks about almost how anti-human that is. Mm. And so I was curious for y'all how you feel like you do both, because I think there's a metaphorical sense, there's both appetite and relationship to food, but there's a more general appetite or hunger we might have kind of metaphorically in life. And where do you feel like y'all are? What were your thoughts on that? I really liked that part of the book because mm-hmm. in your kind of, as we prepare for the podcast, we kind of come up with lists of questions to keep the conversation going. And, you know, another question that you'll ask in a little bit, it's like kind of what's your favorite quote and like actually actually pick that out like you know her talks about that about being anti-human I just thought that was a really interesting way to put it and I think with my own appetite and hunger and taking up space I'll say it depends on the context Mm. it's very context dependent you know I was kind of reflecting over my own just eating patterns and you know something that I think that I used to do would be monitor my eating depending on what other people were eating Mm. (laughs) and so if everybody at the table is ordering a salad okay well I guess I will order a salad in order to like avoid any sort of you know looks or judgments or, or whatever that might possibly occur although I've never seen that happen whereas now you know I think the older that I've gotten the more comfortable that I've gotten with my eating and my body I order whatever the hell I want. Yeah. Yeah. So Frank, if everybody wants salad and I want pizza, I'm having pizza. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I loved what she was talking about with appetite as being, I kind of have this image. There was a time that I was on a low carb diet, I think. And I was really wanting some sugars. I was like eating these suckers, like, like that. I didn't even really taste that good. And I used that as proof of like, see, if I let myself go for even a minute, I'm eating these suckers. But really, as I was reading this book, I was like, no, I hadn't eaten sugar in like a month and I probably really just needed it. And that's what was happening. I thought he was wise. That's right. Like the appetite was actually trying to keep me alive, not trying to like work against me. And so I kind of love this reframe from this like thing to be avoided, to be shut down, to be made smaller to like, no, that's the way that your body gets you to feed it and keep it alive. Because I really, I really liked that kind of reframe of it's a message. Right. And so how do we embrace our appetites both with food and then more generally in our lives and allow ourselves to have hunger and to want things and to be fueled by things and driven by things and to tune into that and name it and not have to shrink away. Mm-hmm. So I loved all those ideas. Yeah. Okay. Favorite quote from the book. My favorite quote it was on 
well, after what we just talked about, but I also pulled out another one since that one got snagged, um, was on page 185 when she's talking about kind of the emotional part in the book and about self-improvement. She said, I was never able to keep up the self-improvement when the motivating factor was discussed. You mm. cannot hate yourself into happiness. That's just not how happiness works. Yes. I love that quote so much. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love that one. I love that one. Okay. So mine was on page 239. And it's a little bit longer, but I'll read it. Okay. You are almost definitely making the stakes too high for everything. Lots of people with a type A personality, control issues, or perfectionistic tendencies feel that everything is on the brink of falling apart all the time unless we tightly control it. But unless you hold someone's life literally in your hands, read Surgeon, the stakes are not as high as you think. Fitting into your old genes is not a life or death situation. Love that. Yeah. Like spoke to me. Yeah. And then mine was basically, we are all humans running around, not wanting to be humans. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was brilliant. (laughs) Love that. Awesome. Awesome. So love this book. And if we think about the do try it at home to wrap up our podcast for today, what comes to mind for y'all? So do read it. I think it's really a wonderful book. It's funny. It's enjoyable. It's like highly readable. And I think for me, the biggest take home was trusting my body to do what's best for me instead of like something that needs to be controlled because it's like out for my destruction. I would encourage people to try the challenge that we gave each other, the lie the fuck down challenge. I mean, go try it for a week and Mm -hmm. see how it goes. Yeah. That was mine because I'm convinced we need to start a movement and we all need to start hashtagging lie the fuck down all over the place. And we need to like have this be a big thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In our lives. So I'm advocating for a big movement. All right. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. And we will look forward to seeing y'all soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. Bye.